Hi everyone, you are now tuning into another episode of Vaunty Talks with Filmmakers Podcast. Our special guest is production designer Tom Hammock. Thank you for joining us today. Hi everyone, and we are back with another episode of Conversations with Filmmakers. And I know that I say this every single episode, but I am excited to be talking to crew of all of these phenomenal films that you guys know and TV episodic or whatever, you know? Um, but today we have Tom Hammock, a production designer for Godzilla versus Kong, Blindspotting, Blair Witch, and TV series like Them, Outcast, and so many more. But he was also in the art department for classics like the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Miss Congeniality 2, and my absolute fave, Constantine. Oh, the horror of it all. Is it safe for me to say, Tom, if they aren't having someone chased or gore is involved, you want no parts of it? Ah, uh, of course. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? So you saying, no, of course. It's like horror is your thing or... Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> it's definitely my niche in this world. Really? Well, yeah. that is exciting. I mean, that's exciting to hear for the audience, right? I try and get people to always break down their role because a lot of folks may not know. So can you elaborate on what your current role as a production designer actually is? Sure. It's, I mean, being a production designer, it's really like being the architect of the film. So it's a big part of collaborating with the director and the cinematographer to come up with how the film looks. So, you know, everything that's out of focus behind the actors, really. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you get down to it, it's all the sets, all the locations, picture vehicles, props, set dressing, and a lot of reference for the visual effects. Wow. So everything that creates kind of the color palette and the visual texture of the film. I love that. But you're so casual about it, which is the most like that is a very pivotal thing. That is what draws people ill. And you're pretty much world building. It doesn't matter if it's inside, outside, overseas, you know, on top of a building. You're one of those people that's able to help design it. Exactly. Yeah. Putting the world together is a great way to put it. I love that. So give us a uh, breakdown of what your average day might look like if you're uh, working on a production. Uh, totally. Well, I think I think it's important to split it into two kinds of average days. There's average days in pre-production, mm -hmm. which is when you're planning the movie. And then there's the average day in production when you're shooting the movie. We want and... to hear it all. Go, Tom. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, so in in the planning phase, generally construction starts very early and will start a little bit after construction. So the art director, Satya Kurder, and I get into the office. We go through all the sets that are being constructed, kind of see what state they're in, mm -hmm. answer any questions, keep that whole side of the project going. You know, because you have to think, on some of these big movies you're building 80 sets 
Wow. So it's just huge amounts of construction going on. Yeah. And then, you know, you come back to the art department and you work with the set designers who are the people drafting, putting together all the construction documents for what's being built. Mm-hmm. So you generally spend some time with that. And then you're off looking at locations, hunting for locations with the locations department. And then generally towards the end of the day, you're back with construction again. And then of course, there's all the normal production stuff that goes on, meeting with directors and everything. So that that's sort of the planning phase. So it's a lot, a lot with construction, lots of drafting, lots of illustration. And then during shooting, it's it's really I'm I'm there to open each set for the director and the company as they come in. So we're there, we show everybody where everything is, which walls wild, which don't, <laughs> uh, all the little quirks that every location is going to have. So during shooting, you know, that's really the big part of the day. And I like trying to stay through the shooting of any masters. So we've seen the whole world, the widest shot we're going to get. Yes. Then after that, I'll go to the next day's location, spend most of the day there, make sure it's perfect. And then towards the end of the day, I'll come back to shooting and to where the company is and watch them finish up. Wow, that's amazing. So yeah, that's that's that. I mean, the way he summarized that, guys. And again, you are tuned in to Conversations with Filmmakers. I'm Vaughn the host, and we got Tom Hammock here with um, production designer extraordinaire. He's like casually saying, yeah, there's about 80 sets, you know, <laughs> 80 setups and everything. And I'm dealing with this, that, and the third. But, you know, break it down for us. You know, how big would your team be? per se, you know, because it, it sounds like you have to be in multiple locations sometimes, right? Exactly. I mean, it varies drastically, Fonte, based on the size of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you have a film like Godzilla versus Kong, where you have as many as 10 art directors. Wow. Um, people spread all over the world, whether it's you're working in Australia, but people are working in Hawaii and Morocco and et cetera. Wow. Versus, you know, a small film like Blind Spotting, where it's me and one other art director. And we're just sort of leapfrogging each other as we go along set to set. <laughs> so it, you know, it can really be really be small, like. Um, blind spotting was a super intimate team, you know, um, just like five, six people in the art department. Wow. Versus Godzilla is hundreds. That is amazing. It's, it's all different. Every yeah. different. But the great thing is, is that you're able to pivot and that just shows how much of a um, professional you are it's pretty much any environment that they're bringing you in you know how to like help out you know is that yeah. the thing <laughs> totally because you know they say even even on the biggest fanciest movie it's like you get through all the trailers and all the gear and everything and 
you still end up with coming upon a director who's sitting at a table with two actors, right? And a camera. Yeah. So it's, it depends. You're not always flipping cars. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like you said, a coffee shop and you're blurring out the background as like people might be peeking in on the scene. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it uh, all filmmaking comes down to the same thing. Well, could you tell the audience too um, about, like, there's a lot of things that people don't know about this industry, right? So you mentioned, like, even with props and everything, you know, could you, like, elaborate on how that plays into production design, which I hope I get a prop master on here. So if you're listening in, touch base with me. Ah, of course. The, um, so the, Props or anything the actors handle the, you know, the easy thing to think about is somebody's phones in a movie or anything like that. But with, with props, the, um, it, I mean, they can be really wonderful. You know, you think about Lord of the Rings and all the swords that were handmade. So it's, Props is this big world, and generally the head of that department is the prop master, mm -hmm. and then they have their whole team, and they're really in, in charge of the actors will come in, and they, you know, in collaboration with the actors and the directors and me, will go through and we'll pick all the different things that character will have, whether it's their watch, their wallet, their phone, are they married? You know, you're trying to answer those basic questions about the character and communicate it succinctly to the audience, you know, because people pick up on those little details. We all notice those little details in our daily lives, you know, about everyone we come across. And the prop master is really there to try to fill in that little bit of humanity about a character, give them that backstory, whether it's shows up in the movie or not that's yes. yeah that's what the prop master does is yeah, great. I know I know for me as a screenwriter that is something that's pivotal for me because we've always been taught to not have just talking heads right so you see me and you are just like sipping away it's like some kind of action instead of us looking so stagnant so in my scripts I might have them maybe smoking a cigarette or or having a drink or eating their favorite cookies or something that all plays into who that character is and to differentiate between them, you know, like yeah. say if like, um, it's a group of characters sitting at a table eating pizza, right? One of them might be like, where's the ranch at? The other one's like, I need hot sauce. You know what I mean? Another one was like yeah. doing it with a fork and all that, all of that plays into it. So it's great to hear that, you know, and people might not realize on a set, someone like you that is designing and you're interacting with all of these different elements to make it seem more realistic. And that is how people deep dive into some of the favorite films, right? Exactly. And, you know, to carry the color palette of the film all the way through even the smallest details, you know, you think about a wonderful film like Road to Perdition and how specific mm -hmm. the colors are in that movie. Mm -hmm. Right. And that carries directly down to the tiny props. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So really quick to um, 
just pivot for a section and 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 go back to something because first of all, I've never met anybody that's done the blockbuster films, and that is my oh, joint. Okay. <laughs> How does one um get into that blockbuster realm? You know, something like Godzilla versus Kong. You are uh, you are actually doing the second one as well coming out, right? Yeah, it come comes out next spring. The, nice. Um. I mean, getting getting into it, it's hard to say. I sort of stumbled into it, but everybody ends up in that world in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, for me in particular, I worked with one director repeatedly named Adam Wingard. Who, Adam. Yeah, who directed Your Next and The Guest and a lot of really great films. And he slowly worked his way up to it and I just continued working with him and that's how I ended up in that world but I kind of bounced between that world and smaller movies mm -hmm. obviously there are a lot of designers who are in that world and that's that's what they do is the big giant films but um and, but you like more of the variety right yeah I like bouncing around <laughs> I love that because that gives you more experience and again that versatility. And guys, you are tuning in to Conversations with Filmmakers. We have Tom Hammock here. Really quickly, we are going to take a break for our sponsors. And now a word from one of our sponsors. After starting my podcast, I needed to hire the pros to market the content. Are you looking for digital success? Look no further. World Boss HQ is your strategic partner. Their experts turn your vision into a digital masterpiece. From stunning websites to powerful marketing, they've got you covered. Startups or established businesses, they are your one-stop solution. Visit worldbosshq.com. That is W-O-R-L-D-B-O-S-S-H-Q.com and unleash your potential today. World Boss HQ Digital Marketing, your online empire awaits. We are excited to bring you this world exclusive teaser from Bad Rabbit Pictures and Movie Pods. They are presenting Age of Prophecy, a sci-fi fantasy podcast done in the style of the radio dramas of yesteryear. Coming soon to all streaming platforms. Visit www.moviepods.com or www.theanukechronicles.com for all the release dates. You won't want to miss this one. Your myths were born from our history. Let's check it out. Life, a vile, messy sequence of events before we die. All designed for something beyond us. It has to be, or else what's the point? You don't know me, but I know you. I am responsible for your triumphs and miseries. Zira and Lilzor, and to truly understand your own story, you must know mine. Your myths were born from my history.
Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back. We are continuing the conversation, talking about Godzilla versus Kong in these big budget films. But Tom Hammock has just mentioned, you know, he likes the variety of it all. Could you then tell us how long have you been in this industry? Oh, man, I think I've been in the industry 20 years, something like that. So, but you know, you blink your eyes and time passes quick. I know. (laughs) But there's always another movie, so. Exactly. And it keeps us youthful. That is like the major trend that I've learned is like being in it for so long, but it doesn't feel like that because it is our passion and it's, it's, you know, fun pretty much. It's like you get the end result instantly, right? Like, hey, I worked on that movie. <laughs> totally. No, it's it's the best. Well, I did know we spoke the other day and you mentioned about the books and everything behind you. Could you give the audience the backstory on that um, and the history maybe as well? Oh, um, yeah. It's what's interesting. So studios most production designers have something like this wherever they're living and it's that studios used to have big research libraries with librarians um, for visual research for the art departments but when the studios were kind of broken apart and purchased in the 60s and 70s all those rare books were sold off so these days unfortunately or fortunately, it's really the responsibility of the production designer to put together the research for films. And I guess what's behind me is just leftover research and books from a lot of movies. So yeah, it's a lot of architecture books, a lot of photography books. Um, I'm trying to think of a really quick example for you absolutely that that would be useful so well i guess we'll do two things you know a lot of old books but this is an example is a book of architectural details so if you were doing a period house you this you have to have these things to know what how houses were built in the 1800s um so you need those old books that the builders used to use at the time um so that that's what it is it's all of that kind of stuff but it's what lends the reality and the tiny details to to the movies well that's amazing though because if you think about it you know, um, there's a whole bunch of law books, right? And they reference back certain cases and everything. You know, when you're in healthcare, they they reference back certain operations that might've happened in the past so they can strategically figure out what they're gonna do. So it's nice to know that even in film, when you're trying to develop content and make it seem more accurate, people like yourself have those books available that you can reference and make it, to where it's not a guess and that's something yeah. yeah exactly you do everything you can to add the reality to the project so 
but then you turn around and you end up with all these stacks of books. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe you'll never use them again, and um, but you never know. The but um, each one probably has a story behind it, so that's yeah. at least a great thing. <laughs> yeah, I have a really great one. I'll show you really quick. I love Please. that. Guys, we are joined by Tom Hammett, production designer extraordinaire. You're listening into Conversations with Filmmakers. I just thought of this as an example for Godzilla versus Kong. And What's what, the name of it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, but what it is, is it's a mold book for neon signs. Mm. Or Hong Kong, and if you remember in Godzilla versus Kong, there's all of the neon on the buildings. Yeah. So that's that's all done as art. So, you know, you think of books that are essential, and this in Hong Kong is kind of their bible for producing neon letters. Wow. And having it is what um, allowed us to make the third act of that film you know so vibrant and colorful and special so often it'll just come down to finding that one right book to you know get you in the get you in the zone that is amazing though <laughs> it's like i would have never thought of something like that that um that those details come in in that way and it's making movie magic pretty much so what started you on this journey, Tom? Was this oh, a changing of careers or, you know, how did you get into filmmaking? I mean, I, like a lot of people, I, you know, in art department, in production sign, I was in the architecture world beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so I came out of architecture and it was, you know, it's a little strange. Um, I grew up, my father studies poisons. Huh? And so um, I grew up around spiders and venom and all that sort of stuff. And, That's amazing, but no. <laughs> and so I ended up helping him out and being the spider consultant for the first Spider-Man early on answering any questions they had and helping art department with that sort of stuff. And that kind of led me to segue out of architecture and into, into movies. It just happened by you? chance. How did they find you for Spider-Man? Like, how was it? They uh, were like, hey, Tom. The, no, they had, they had tracked my dad down um, just because there aren't many people who work in that area. And they had wanted to reproduce some of the machines. You remember Tobey Maguire goes to the lab. That's, my dad has a section of his lab that is similar to that. Wow. So they, they had just, again, just like the books, doing their research, tracking down the real thing, trying to find what it really looks like, what it really feels like. And I just helped them a bit with that and ended up, moving over into film and here we are that is amazing and you're so tom what i love about tom you guys is he's so casual as he drops these golden nuggets of cinema <laughs> it's like yeah i was an architect yeah my dad studies poisons you know yeah all of a sudden i'm on spider-man and i'm helping him out <laughs> it's like wait <laughs> what i mean 
did you have a mentor in this industry? Um, I did. I was lucky enough to have a couple of mentors. So Robert Boyle, who is a production designer who's really amazing, who designed Hitchcock's films, among many yes. others. So he designed The Birds, North by Northwest, and he passed away recently, but he is a wonderful production designer. And another production designer named Larry Paul, who designed Blade Runner and Back to the Future. Wow. Anyway, both of them, I studied with them, and then both of them watched over me, you know, in my early career, which was great to have those those sorts of people to lean on. They were amazing. What kind of lessons did they teach you, you know, that you've taken with you even today? Because everybody definitely has them, right? On like how they approach work and, and business and ethics and all that. What was it? Totally. I mean, all all sorts of small lessons. I mean, it's very specific to art department, but like everything from how you how you deal with paint and actors and what makes people look as not necessarily good, but as appropriate to the story as possible versus mm -hmm. all sorts of oddities of the industry for like how you deal with theft or safety to do with car crash stunts. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, it's a, it's a broad world. <laughs> you know, you have your fingers in a lot of pies, so to speak, mm -hmm. in art department. And they were great sort of showing me the ropes for all of that. That's really nice though, because think about it. We're, we're looking at, if somebody is watching this and maybe they're in architect school and they don't realize that this is another lane or avenue, you know, because a lot of times it's all about, hey, do you want to build something or make a skyscraper or, you know, city urban planning or whatever as an architect, but they may not know that this is another avenue that that could possibly be taken. So if somebody wanted to become a production designer, where would you suggest they start? Um, I mean, I would always suggest architecture school, mm -hmm. you know, because I think it's deceptive how much building there is in production design. There's just a huge <laughs> amount of building. Mm -hmm. But that said, you know, people come from everywhere, but generally it's an arts background. So I've worked with people who started out as graphic designers or painters. Mm -hmm. People come out of construction. People are carpenters. Um, I think it's it's if you're coming out of anything that applies to building or some part of the process to get to the end product of the movie, mm -hmm. that's that's where you want to, you know, come out of and put your passion and then eventually move into film. Absolutely. That's really good. That's really great advice. Guys, you are listening to Conversations with Filmmakers. We are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Now, an exciting message from our sponsors. When I decided to launch this podcast, I had the tools to find talent and market the show, but needed a skilled editor to bring it all to life. That's when I turned to Jacob Daly at redhawk.uk. His collaborative approach and swift revisions transformed my vision into reality. Redhawk.uk, your one-stop solution for creative content services. Reach out to them. 
Now a word from another of our supporting sponsors, that is Realm IQ, a new AI consultancy started by film marketing veteran Kurt Doty, who has built an international team of AI mentors to help AI change management for your business. Go to www.curtdoty.co slash Realm IQ, smart people for smart adoption, creating smart worlds. Realm IQ, book your AI workshop today, adopt or perish. Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. And guys, we are back. We have Tom Hammock here, who is a production designer extraordinaire, and he was just giving us a breakdown on some of the things you can do in order to get into production design which is, you know, having that background in art, maybe going to architecture school, having a background in construction, those those kind of things in order to understand the logistics of what it means to build sets anywhere in the world off the side of a cliff <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> Am I wrong, Tom? You're not wrong. Just finished building sets on a cliff and dealing with helicopters. So. What? Did you really? Yep. Yeah, it's all all part of the job. Oh my goodness. How did you get that one? You don't have to give us details because I know if they're still, you know, working on it and no, stuff. But no, what I mean, does that can... phone call look like? Like, hey Tom, do what you like to. Yeah, well, it's just it's part of it. It's the um, I mean, the previous Godzilla, obviously, we have a bunch of scenes that take place on the side of cliffs. I think if you um, look at the, it didn't make the final cut, but it's in the deleted scenes. There's an entire sequence that takes place with crashed aircrafts hanging mm -hmm. on the side of the cliff. So some, you know, somebody has to go out and build that. Oh my goodness. Similarly, a lot of scouting from helicopters because we're looking for big expansive futuristic landscapes mm -hmm. so um getting up there is part of the job so you must be very well versed on the world is what you're saying <laughs> it's like from neon signs to how to build on the side of a cliff to all kinds of things um what was one of your most successful productions and what make it made it work so well so i don't mean like oh was the movie great it's more i mean you know what made it go as smoothly as possible that you really enjoyed that experience oh well i'd say probably the first film i ever did which is a film starring amber heard called all the boys love mandy lane which is mm -hmm. a film and even though it was tiny, it was really special. And there's just, there's nothing like making a movie with friends. Uh -huh. And that was making a small movie with friends. And it went so well because we were all so close. We were able to plan the film out so that we knew every beat, everything that was happening. And the it went smoothly it turned out great and it just ended up being a wonderful process all the way through so i'd say i'd say that's the one that is the one okay and what what would you consider your favorite genre to be as well the 
I mean, I think it's horror is definitely my favorite genre. It's and it's really tied into the fact that within that genre, you're not tied to stars. Mm-hmm. You know, audiences will go see those films no matter who is in it. And the mm-hmm. thing that's so special about that is that um, it gives you greater freedom to experiment. So you can do things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do in other genres of film, experiment with wall treatments and colors and the look of an overall film. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will, people will still go and have a great time, horror films, whereas they might be more judgmental, say, in another genre. Horror, horror fans are so, like, exciting and they're always looking for something new and that's it's a great area to work in yeah just like when they introduce like contortionists to these horror films you know what i mean it's like when like you see a character go down the stairs backwards on the you know like it was above like even with the exorcist right and then you just Uh see them crawl quickly and it's like why (laughs) did you do that who came up with that idea I know all all those things like in in Outcast Adam actually used a contortionist body double for the um exorcism sequence and part of why it was so successful that was really fun to do is the bedroom that it's taking place in we built a normal bedroom set as you would and then we built the exact same set completely upside down with every little cheerio glued to the ceiling and everything so that meant that the contortionist could do one thing on one set you know put a hand on a wall start to move then you cut and then they're on the other upside down set and then with the hand on the wall and then they're able to continue the movement with gravity in the opposite direction so you know, it's the old school tricks all yeah. the way back to vaudeville are a lot of fun to pull off. Oh, I love that. Now, that is a good description, Tom. Because you're like even down to the Cheerios on, on the table that's falling or on the floor and stuff. He's like, woo that yeah. <laughs> So I would think with you, continuity is also very important, right? It is. Yeah. Um, it's not the most important thing, Mm. you know, you're always in editorial, you're always going through other stuff first, but Mm. continuity, continuity is important. And it's, there's a script supervisor on set who's really in charge of continuity, Mm -hmm. but we also have an on-set dresser, the prop master, all the people who are there really keeping an eye on continuity, you know, where the cigarette is or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And if you're working outside of the U S generally there's an onset art director who is there watching everything and making sure it all hangs together visually. We just don't, we don't have that position in the U S so. Well, that's their little quirks to wherever you're shooting little quirks wherever you are. It does work, huh? So let me ask you then, if you're saying that, do you think they should bring a title like that over to the U.S.? 
would that help oh i think it'd be great on the on the larger films it's mm -hmm. always super helpful to have that one person on set who's just in charge of keeping it all together within our department mm -hmm. now listen you heard it here first tom hammock is saying <laughs> you u.s based large budget films you need you need that person and what was the name of that role that you mentioned on set art director on set art director now if we can have all other positions where those credits are rolling with a thousand and one people on set art director he's saying is very much needed as well so thank you for that breakdown um but we're gonna pivot again all right and i'm hoping that you're having a good time tom because you're I, giving out nuggets here man of course totally <laughs> So do you feel as being a production designer, do you feel that this is very profitable in your opinion? Um, the, I guess, do you mean financially or yes. sort of? Absolutely. There's no other spiritually? way. <laughs> spiritually. <laughs> Could be. Um, Does it feed your soul in are you able to afford eggs? <laughs> totally. Remember when eggs and milk was like a thousand dollars? Exactly. I mean, spiritually, it's wonderful, right? There's nothing like making movies. The um, on the financial front, I mean, it's fine. We're lucky in the U.S. that filmmaking's unionized. You know, people make a good living um doing it and it's all fairly similar across the board um you know i struggled and suffered in small movies for a very long time which was great and is fun but um it's it's also nice to be at a place that's more stable within the union filmmaking world mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's a mix on the different type of films for sure but oh it's it's a great way to make a living i love that and like you mentioned it feeds your soul as well <laughs> exactly guys we are here with tom hammock production designer extraordinaire where he has godzilla versus kong coming up next year that will be releasing big budget stuff but also the smaller budget things as well can be as interesting. Um, what kinds of technology, how do you feel has technology impacted the production process for you? The for, for our department, it's really come down to obviously AI is at a unique place. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, we aren't really using it because there's no clean chain of title. Mm -hmm. So it means that what you create with it can't be copyrighted. So for the moment, we aren't using it. That's And it remains to be seen how that will affect everything. But I would say previous to that ignoring visual effects the the kind of largest change was when i was fairly early in my career and 3d mm -hmm. modeling really became effective where you would take 
2D plans for sets. And you could produce, you know, basic walls and shapes in 3D and allow everybody to move through a space virtually and see what would we be built ahead of time. And that's still, we use that every single day in our department, just because as the sets get more and more complicated, it's hard to communicate what it'll look like down the road to people. And it's a wonderful tool for getting everyone on the same page. You know, when I still try to keep things old school when I can as much as possible building physical models, because mm -hmm. there's still nothing like coming in and, you know, there's a model and everybody can sit there and look and physically move what would move. And yeah, that's great. But when that's not possible, the digital models are fantastic. So I think I think that's probably the biggest, biggest change in the last 15 years or so to art department. And with you, how do you um, navigate even having to reset a scene? So remember how the nukes came out with the matrix with the fight scene in that hallway in the lobby of the building and they had to reset it like a thousand and one times. How do you, yeah. um, you know, work with, with that whole situation as well? The, I mean, it's all about the logistics and the planning and mm -hmm. You're either replastering and repainting holes as they come up, <laughs> or you're, you've pre-built multiples of entire set pieces, and you're changing out entire walls at a time. It's whatever's most efficient to keep the camera rolling. You know, always be shooting. So that's and how do you prepare yourself when it's like, say, an inside shot on a sound stage? But like mm -hmm. you mentioned, setting up a shot on like a cliff, you know, that's like outside. You cannot control the elements and everything. Um, well, um, obviously, one does everything one can to prepare for all the eventualities of the weather. Mm -hmm. But when you take that off the table, it's just a lot of planning. We in our department, you draw a lot of plans that are distributed to everybody that are color coded with everyone's job on them so that everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing where they can be where it's safe to be where it's not safe to be so that all of all of that information gets distributed to everyone and that's that is a big part of what our department does that doesn't really end up on screen Mm -hmm. is just producing all of these plans and drawings for everyone to keep the keep the production moving forward. Well, let's do a deeper dive into that, right? So mm -hmm. logistics-wise, <laughs> because I always tell people as well, and I've said it before, when you're on a, say, a union set or something, or like a very professional set, they move like the military. They move in unison. <laughs> you're marching along like... If you say we're going to the next room, everybody knows exactly what they need to do. For someone like yourself, how do you prepare your team for that? When you said like the color coding and all of that stuff, you know, are you having weekly meetings? Do you get on phone calls? Like definitely take us through that whole pre-production process on how you- Oh, totally. It's, it's constant. So it all- Again, it starts small and it grows out. So you, you'll you start early, you know, you end up at 
a location, say where something's happening with the director and the cinematographer and the assistant director and locations, and you start working your way through that, figuring out all the bottlenecks, all the constraints, all the issues. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's lots of meetings, making lists, and then eventually you'll have a tech scout which is a technical scout where all the department heads on the movie come and to the location and they look at it and analyze all the issues and problems oh wow and at that point everybody will be given the drawings that we've done for the locations that try to show all of these you know emergency exits those those sorts of things which you know, as boring as that sounds, it's so important in case something goes wrong. And then once all those department heads have that information, you know, everybody from the grips to the greens, everyone goes back to their departments and then they have their own meetings and sort of disseminate all this information across the crew. That's really good to know, Tom, because you know, people only visually see like, you know, those films that might show the behind the scenes and they're walking through a soundstage or something. When you're doing a, say a smaller movie, it could be 20 people, right? But then if you're doing a big budget film, it could be hundreds of people moving all at once, any and everywhere, you know? So it's 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 very important to give, yeah, to give that insight. So we are here with Tom Hammock, production designer, and I always say guru or extraordinaire because I just love how, you know, very uh, seasoned that everyone is that's come on this show. Um, we've broken down how you could potentially get involved with educational background you need and everything. Is there anything that you would also do, say, with staying on budget? Is that something that, you know, you would have to take into account? when you're trying to build out okay. sets or something like that. Oh yes, totally. No, there's a whole accounting um, side of this and mm -hmm. it's all about cutting problems off early, but there are accountants and coordinators and everything is planned and budgeted to within an inch of its life. And <laughs> so much of it comes down to providing a menu, so mm -hmm. to speak of this option, this price, this option at this price. Mm -hmm. And everyone goes through and we have meetings and everyone makes the decisions of where they want to go, what shots can be cut, what shots are essential, moving money around. So yeah, you have to be you have to be really careful with money, but it's all it's all in service of the story, ultimately, right? And yes. that's and it all comes down to the director. And that's one of the most important things they do that's kind of hidden or offside is focusing the money in the places they want it focused to tell the story how they tell the story you know you have somebody like David Fincher who's going to focus his money on getting as many takes as possible mm -hmm. versus Tim Burton who's going to focus it on world building you know everybody's so different and how they go about making the project, which is part of what makes it so fun. Exactly. Have you ever had to like really fight for a scene or something that you had set up before? 
Uh, we did have oh. a production accountant on here, by the way, and she broke down oh, like, nice. yeah, she was really cool. Broke down the tier one, two, three, like she was just going in on like, okay, cameraman, why do you need three more people? Is it necessary? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, oh, you have to fight all, all the time for things that are important to you that you think are important to the storytelling or to protect against eventualities that could happen mm -hmm. whether you know rain something happens a stunt doesn't work and it has to be redone have you built those contingencies into your set so that a wall could be replaced as quickly as possible all of all of that kind of stuff that's really great i mean so guys if you're listening in we are here with tom hammock production designer and he's definitely given us a breakdown on you know, a very um, important role within on set. We're talking about the scenes, what you see on screen. There is somebody who helped to develop that in the art department, all these different departments, but we have the production designer that's going to be like, you know what, that bookcase behind you looks amazing. And we need to reconstruct that upside down now. <laughs> exactly. Is that y'all for horror, right? So- Let's get into, you know, how much is too much work for you? And what are some things that you do to decompress? You know, like say if you're on a mega budget film and Tom mm -hmm. is now back home, flying back home, you know, what are some things that you do to really help take care of yourself? Oh, man. Um, take care of yourself. I mean, one <laughs> can. I tend to run you know, mm -hmm. in the evenings. So I'll have been to set, come home at the end of the day or whatever, and go jogging to try to think through any design problems that are coming up or the next day sets. And that's that's sort of, I guess, a day-to-day -day self care kind of routine. But then the separate thing is movies take so much out of you. It's yeah. At the end of a film, I'll definitely take time off to try to, you know, recuperate creatively, so to speak, get myself mentally in a place where you can come back and you're excited to work again and excited to answer all those questions and work those hours. So I think it's, I definitely, it's definitely separated. There's the in production and the after production. Which is important, though, and I try and explain that to people. It's like, guys, listen in. You need to take the time off. I tell people all the time, if I'm going on vacation, I do not come back from vacation and say, I'm going to work immediately. Some people will do that. They're like, I'm, I got in at midnight, and I'm going to work in the morning. And I'm like, your yeah. body oh. is going to feel like trash the next day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all the trauma you've given it. So... Um, to pivot really quick and, you know, we're going to be wrapping it up soon. Um, guys, you are listening to Conversations with Filmmakers. We got Tom Hammock here, production designer, extraordinaire guru, I'm going to say. Are there any projects out there that you wish you would have worked on or you'd love to work on? Oh, man. I mean, I I love in-camera work and I mean, in the in the short term, you know, 
Oppenheimer and Barbie. They both look like wonderful projects. Yeah. In the art department realm, they both look so good. They're just fascinating topics. I mean, who wouldn't want to work on those two? So yeah. I think I think that's what's that's what jumps out immediately is yeah. that yeah, you know. Who doesn't want to be buried in pink cement? I ah, guess. Ah, ah. One you of them. are so crazy. Who doesn't want to be buried in pink cement? <laughs> but is there any um, people that are in this industry? Because I know that you mentioned your two mentors, and unfortunately, one had passed away. Is there somebody else out there that you'd love to work on their stuff with? You know? Oh man, well, um, I was lucky enough to work with a production designer called Owen Patterson, who designed The Matrix. Oh, and nice. He's yeah, he's a wonderful guy, and working with him was fantastic. And yeah, if I could pick someone to work with again, I'd work with Owen in a heartbeat. Ah, shout out to Owen Patterson. Listen, Tom wants to work with you again. <laughs> he said, "Let's do Matrix." 24, <laughs> like Fast and the Furious, right? There's like exactly. 35 episodes, 35 versions of Keep that. Them out. Yeah, man. So that's really nice and everything. My last question to you is this. All right. Unless there's something else you'd like to discuss about your storied history or anything. I don't know. All, all good. Waiting I love on the Tom. Edge of my seat. Huh? Waiting on the edge of my seat. Ah, well, it's not that complex of a question. It's more of if you could turn back the hands of time, would you do this all over again? And why? Um, I would because there's nothing more wonderful than making movies with friends. Ah, I love that. It's, you know. Uh, yeah. I yeah. love that. It's, it's a great place to be in and a great industry and people are wonderful and creative and I'm so lucky to be here this guy Tom is a humble person do you guys hear me man has been in for two decades done so much I'm looking forward to the next project that you're going to be working on Tom I really appreciate you coming on the show oh thanks for having me Vante I really appreciate it yeah man all right, you guys, that has been another episode of Conversations with Filmmakers. Tom Hammock here, production designer. Give us one more time that art direction person that you want to work with. Owen Patterson. Owen Patterson. If you're listening in, man, your boy Tom is waiting on you to holler at him. Okay? Thank you, guys, and I hope to see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, Tom. Bye, everyone. You've just tuned into an episode of Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge. This has been a production of Vonti Pictures, hosted by me, Vonti McRae, a screenwriter and producer. We'd also like to thank Bad Rabbit Pictures for the animated content and creator of upcoming podcast Age of Prophecy along with our sponsor, RedHawk.uk, with all episodes being edited by Jacob Daly, director, producer, and a man of many talents. Come back next week as this saga continues for the Conversations with Filmmakers podcast. <laughs>